allowing us the opportunity to regroup, to refresh, to renew, to regenerate, to re all the other re's that you can think of, uh, which is something that we so desperately needed. I know many of you, you know, in the, in the work field and stuff, you're able to take vacations and, and do all of that. Um, pastor's life is a little bit different. Even on vacation, you're on call. Uh, even on vacation, you're still, you know, tied to a phone or tied to whatever's happening back home. And, and uh, many times, even, I remember, one of the last vacations uh, we took with the kids, we went to Hawaii. And second day we're there, I get a phone call from the church. And uh, they had this major problem, and I had to walk them through it, you know, take a couple hours to walk them through it, you know, <coughs> while the, the kids and Cindy are sitting up in the room going, where did Dad go? <laughs> and that's, that's what, what happens. But first of all, just once again, Cindy and I would just w- really want to thank you, all of you, first of all. Secondly, a special thanks to the elders. I know two of them aren't here today, but Frank is, so Frank can represent. And uh, just special thanks to them, their, their graciousness, their love, their counsel has been uh, just um, exemplary during these last five months, not only for you all in helping continue to, to move the church forward, but also for Cindy and myself um, and, and their understanding for where we were at. And then special thanks to all those who preached, you know? Special thanks to the Williamsons, thank, special thanks to Stephen, special thanks you know, to Mike, you know, where else, uh, Lucas, uh, who else am I missing here that's here? And I know that there's been other people that have come in from, uh, from Fuller and, and, and uh, contacts that the Williamsons had, even your mom, right? Yeah, so good stuff. So you've, been, you've had a plethora of voices speaking into your life, but all with one message, you know, that comes from God. And so I hope that, that, um, that you, you really gained some, some insight from all of that. Well, what have I learned? What have Cindy and I, what have we gone through? What have we been doing for the last five months? I know people have been wondering. I get texts every now and then from you all uh, and uh, just wondering how we're doing. And first of all, I, I want to just gonna give you an idea of some of the things that I've learned. First of all, even though I knew this already, I never really practiced it. Rest is vital. Rest is vital. If you don't rest, your body will break down. Simple as that. How did, how did the Egyptians break down the, the Israelites? They took away their Sabbath. The first thing they did, they made them work seven days a week. When you're working and working and working and working, you never have time to refresh. And when your body begins to break down, it begins to get ill. It begins to get sick. It also affects your mind. Your mind turns ill. Your, your will begins to be broken because of the overload of work that you have. To be honest with you, when I, when I first stepped into sabbatical, I thought three months would be enough. At the end of three months, I finally got some rest. Just that. It took three months. It took two months for me to go to a... We, we went to church every weekend, pretty much, but when we go... I would sit there and criticize everything that was going on in that church. The pastor, I'm taking notes like, oh, I wouldn't have said that. Or this would be a good, why didn't you use this scripture? You know, I was doing all of that. You know, same thing with the music and the different people and prayer and everything. I was just like, ah, I couldn't get my mind out of that mode. 
And it took at least two months for me to do that. It was amazing. I, I, it freaked me out. Finally, one Sunday, Cindy and I went to church, and, and, and I could be a parishioner. And I could actually hear and, 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 and take in the message for myself. So when three months came, and it just wasn't time yet, I wasn't, I wasn't well to come back. So we took a couple more months, and here we are today. But rest is vital. The second thing I learned is that community is key. Community. Even though Cindy and I, you know, we go to church and stuff, we weren't in community. We were attenders at these churches. We were strangers at a church. They didn't know I was a pastor. They didn't know Cindy was pastor's wife. They didn't know any of the skills that we had, any of the gifts that we had, whatever. We just sat there, two lumps on a log, worshiping God, listening to the message, but not involved in community. Uh, one Sunday, I went to a church um, on my own, and, and I went to an old friend's church, thinking that, you know, it's been 15 years, no longer than that, 16 years since I've been in the friend's churches. No one's going to recognize me. Right? So I go into this church, and, and, and I sit down, you know, and I'm doing good, and all of a sudden, just in the row right behind me, at the end of the row, is the father of a youth pastor that I mentored. He knew me. And he kept looking over at me like that, and I just kept looking over at him. And I knew who he was, but I was, he was seeing, he was trying to remember who I was. Yeah, I had the, the thing going on, and so, so I was just kind of incognito. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Then his son sits right in front of me. And right when the meet and greet, he turns around and he goes, Pastor Ernie, how are you? <laughs> and then his father came over and then a bunch of, you know. So it was, it was, it was I tried to be incognito, but I couldn't, couldn't quite do it. And then Cindy and, Cindy and I went to another church that she, she liked, and, and, uh, and then we met one of my old interns from a church. Sat right in front of us, and, you know, Cindy was hanging out with her, and, so community is key. Community, being together with a shared mission, with a shared purpose, is vital for your faith. To tell you the truth, it has been hard for us to go church hopping. I don't know how people do that. Because there's, yes, there's good preaching. Yes, there's good worship. Yes, there's good technology. I was telling Lucas, they do this thing where... where Pretty much nine out of the ten churches that we've gone to, there's this new thing out there. I'm going to let you know. Some of you may know about it. If you ever watch Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, it's Charles Stanley's son. Big mega church, Atlanta. Anyway, they, what they do is when the pastor comes up, they bring a big TV set with them. They put the TV set right next to him. And as he's preaching, the scriptures are coming up. And what was really funny, we went to one where they were talking about this one piece of scripture where it says, and the devil searches to and fro across the earth seeking someone to devour, right? He's like a roaring lion, that whole scripture. So they put that whole scripture up. And he continued to preach, and then he went down to like three, three sentences of that scripture. And then he continued to preach, and then it went down to one sentence. And then it finally goes, do you understand that it's the devil? Then they put the devil up there, and they put little horns on him. You know, kind of thing, and everybody starts cracking up and everything. But he made a point. Look, I'm still remembering that message. The technology was amazing. 
And I've learned that, that in, in being able to share a message, being able to share that is great, but you've got to have community to seal it in, to work together. And I know you've, you've had that while I've been gone because you were forced to have that while I was gone. Seriously, all, you didn't have me here. You didn't have Cindy here. You had each other. And you continue to work Joy Christian Center together in my absence. Community is vital. Don't ever forget that. And then number three, communion with God should not be neglected. One of my faults as a pastor is I don't have this super tremendous prayer life. I pray, but it's not like this prayer warrior kind of thing. That's not my communion language with God. I do it. We all should do it. We all should get better at it every day. Don't get me wrong. But my communion language with God is to be a doer. To go get an order and go accomplish the order. To, to go and, and get into God's word and say, yes, 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 and what can I do about this? And then go and do that. And so God has been teaching me that I need to quit being a human doer and be a human being. There's a big difference between the two. If you don't believe me, ask Mary and Martha, because they got it. One was a human doer. Who was that? Martha. Who was a human being? Mary. She was able to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. And Jesus told Martha she chose the good part. Well, wait a minute. There was a household of people there. There were things to be done, things to be cooked, things to be prepared, things to be set out, things to do. I mean, that was what they were supposed to be doing. That was the right thing to do. But it wasn't the good thing to do. If you had a chance to have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Messiah and the salvation of your life Sitting in your living room, would you be hanging out in the kitchen making coffee for everybody? Some of us would. I would. And that's the difference between Mary and Martha. They were both doing good. They were both wanting to serve Jesus. Martha, to prepare everything so that hospitality would be taken care of so that he would have something to eat, so that he would have a, a blanket or whatever he needed. She was busy taking care of business for him, the disciples, and all the other people that were there. Go, Martha, take care of business. But Mary... Well, that's the only Mary nearby. <laughs> There's Maria. I got Maria. Decided to... Enjoy him. To enjoy him. 
I remember growing up, driving the 36 hours, 32 hours, whatever it was, to get from here to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and getting there, no matter what time of the morning it was, and finding my grandfather and just holding on to him. And I've come to learn that that communion with God is the same. Finding him and holding on to him. What was it that Mary Magdalene did when she first saw Jesus? After the crucifixion? She clung to him. I'm not a good clinger. I'm not very clingy. I need to be. I need to be. In this process of reconnecting with God in that type of way, in that clingy, in that coming close, in that love that he shares with me, I realize that my heart is far from me. The doing will do that. The doing will keep you in the kitchen while Jesus is in the living room. The doing will make you go to Costco, even out of the house, so that you can get the stuff that you need to bring back to the kitchen because Jesus is in your living room. You catching what I'm saying here? You don't need to go to Costco. You, don't need, you, got, you got all that you need. In fact, if you don't, just bring one measly fish to Jesus and he'll feed everybody there. He's done it before. <coughs> I was wanting a tamale the other day and I thought, if I just brought a tamale to Jesus, <laughs> I'd have at least a dozen. <laughs> so, I likened what was happening in the last few months as my heart is an onion. And you know how onions work. You, like a blooming onion, you have to pop it open and start peeling it to get to the heart of the thing. And in this past couple months, and actually the last five, but mostly in the last couple, I've discovered that I've missed the mark in a few places as your pastor. I've missed the mark in leadership. I've missed the mark in truly deciphering the word correctly. Not that I was giving you bad theology, but sometimes I didn't quote and make the right connection to that. Let's just say that. And God understands and knows that I've missed the mark and as I've gotten closer to him he's like a big magnifying glass many of you know that in your own life you know Paul the apostle toward the end of his life said oh wretched man that I am wretched man are you kidding me look at all that you've done look at all that you've 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 spread the gospel to Asia Minor you spread the gospel farther than even Jesus spread the gospel you have done mighty works for the kingdom. But as he got closer to God and that clinging, 
that I was talking to you about, he understood his failures as well. Because as you get closer to the light, you get to see more of the imperfections in your life. And then you have a decision to make. Will I allow these imperfections in my life to continue to rule my life? Or will I correct them with God's help? Because if he's the one showing me, then he's going to one that's going to heal me. And so that is what has been happening to me. This onion has begun to be peeled open, and, and I failed in a lot of areas as a pastor. You may not think so. You may think I've been doing great. But I think deep down in your heart, you probably know, yeah, you know, where's my disclaimer that we need to put up here? There's a reason why <laughs> that was wanting to be given to me. I don't think you would give that to Charles Stanley. I don't think you would give that to Luis Palau. I don't think, you know, I can name the names. It doesn't matter. They're all, They're all well, <laughs> yes, but, but what God needed for me to do, I didn't quite do. So what have been the consequences? Let me tell you some of the consequences that I'm currently going through so that you can understand. Hebrews 12, <coughs> 2 to 7 say this. <coughs> Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which was addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? God disciplines those whom he loves. And when it comes to his church, he expects righteousness. He expects us to be just. He expects us to be holy. Yes, he loves. Yes, he has grace. Yes, he has mercy. He has all those things. But he has an expectation upon his leaders, especially his leaders who preach the word. There is a higher expectation upon them. And God is not mocked. And so he, right now, is in the midst of disciplining. Because he loves. And he wants those changes to happen in my life. He wants those things from that have kept me in a cycle, if you will, of thinking I can do this on my own. Of thinking I can, I've got the degrees and I've got the this and I've got the that and I've got the experience and whatever. To continue to be in the kitchen and not sit at his feet. That's where I'm at. 
as we speak. God requires a higher level of purity in his leaders. In fact, in Psalm 51.10, David says this. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Restore unto me. What's the name of this church? And right before my sabbatical, I had begun to forget that. I had begun to lose that with the weight of 30 years of ministry on my shoulders. And there is a principle that we all know about, the principle of sowing and reaping, right? Whatsoever a man or woman sow, that is what they shall reap, right? Whatsoever. And I can only liken what is happening in my life to what happened with Moses. Not that I'm Moses. I'm not trying to compare myself, but the actions. If you guys remember the story of the rocket Mirabah. You guys remember that story? Yeah? What's the story in, in general about? No water, which is a natural thing for them to grumble about because they were in the middle of the desert, the wilderness of sin, and there is no water. They've been out there longer than they should have been because of why? Their unbelief and their disobedience. And so they're out there wandering around, and so Moses goes and asks God for water, right? And, Moses, and then God says to Moses, yes, not a problem. Two million people, I got the tanks ready. There's a rock. Strike the rock. Well, first, speak to the rock. And water will flow from it. Okay. So let's see what happens. Numbers 20, verse 8. Take the rod. This is God speaking. Take the rod and you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. What was the command? To the rock. Yeah. To speak to it. To proclaim the word of God to it. Proclaim to the rock. So Moses, verse 9, took the rod from before the Lord just as he had been commanded. Good deal. Way to go, Mo. Way to do what you've been told to do exactly as you have been told to do it. Right? One for one. Doing good. <coughs> 
And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock and said to him, said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Mistake number one. What's the first mistake? There's a mistake before that. He chides them. He chides them. Where in the, in the verse before is God saying, shide the people? It's not there. He just said, speak to the people. Assemble the people and then speak to the rock. So that I, the reason is, so that he gets the glory for what's about to happen. So that Moses is just a conduit to point back to God. But no, Moses' anger <coughs> gets in the way. Because he didn't want to go to God to ask God for water. You don't believe me? Go back to Deuteronomy and you see, I mean, uh, Exodus, and you'll see, the, see what happened. There was a, he got mad at the people. Why are you wanting me to go back to God? Haven't he done enough? And so he's already, he's already teeled. And so he goes, and he shides them. Then he said, well, shall we bring forth water from the rock? We? Who's we? Who's that? Me and my bro. Me and my bro are going to go. It's a free phone, bro. We're going to go, and we're going to talk to the rock, and you're going to see who we are. And so, Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. Even in Moses' disobedience, God was faithful to his word. I want you guys to hear that, because he's going to be faithful to Cindy and I, and he's going to be faithful to you. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Joy belongs to God. It didn't belong to Pastor Lee, and it doesn't belong to me. Joy belongs to God. And whatever, has, whatever is the next steps for joy, that's God's doing. you got to get that. Because I believe that's the only reason why for the last five months, you guys are still here. Because it isn't about me. And it wasn't about Pastor Lee. He knew it. I know it. But what is the next thing for the church is we all got to know that God's got it in those next steps. But there, because he was disobedient, it says this, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Moses did a lot of things for the, for the sons of Israel, for, for the sons of God, the Israelites. Did he not? Did he not help make them a nation? Did he not take them out of slavery? 
Did he not show miracles upon miracles? Did he not give us the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, because he went into the tent every day to talk to God, and God said, okay, Mo, get a pen, get a piece of paper, let us begin. In the beginning. And he would come out with writer's cramp. <coughs> Moses was able to talk to God as a friend talks to a friend. He was called a friend of God. He did a lot of things, but he didn't do everything the way he was supposed to do it. And I fall into that category. That I have not done things as I should be doing. And so, this morning, you need to know, and many of you already know, that I need to step down as your pastor because God is retooling me. I'm not stepping down to go somewhere else. Not going to happen. Cindy and I are going to step down out of ministry. I don't know for how long. That's up to God. But I know what, what is not fair to you is for me to continue on sabbatical and leave you hanging without any leadership. <clears throat> Having people come in and preach is great. Getting the word of God is great. Having community together is great. But you need leadership. You need to continue to grow Joy Christian Center because it's God's church. And to do so, you need fresh leadership to do so. So I'm hoping that the elders and the, the team that is around the elders we'll begin to look at who the next pastor for joy will be. Because it won't be me. And I believe that's what is good for the church. My hope and my prayer for you all is that you will enter into a new promised land. A place I couldn't take you. <coughs> a place that whoever is Joshua will take you. But let me tell you this. These last 11 years have been the joy of my life with you. It is not about you. We love you. Cindy and I love you dearly. We've come alongside you. We've come, you've come alongside us. We've ministered together. We've done the works of God together. We've seen people get saved together. We've seen people get reconnected and, and stayed together in marriage. and stayed. You know, uh, uh, we've seen people go through crises together, deaths divorces, all kinds of other stuff. We've, we've done that together as a community, as a community of faith. I hope you will continue because that is one of the strong points of joy. It is, if not one of the strongest. And that you would continue to work together for God's kingdom. <clears throat> I want to leave you with this. In the book of Acts, Paul is leaving his beloved city of Ephesus. And he's talking to the Ephesians, telling them, hey, I got to go. 
And they didn't want him to go. And I don't think he wanted to go either. Because where he was going was not going to be easy. He was getting ready to go and get on a boat and go to Rome to be crucified. To be in captivity for over two years. I don't think Paul knew what God's plans were. But he did know this, that God made a promise to him when he first got saved. When he got his commission. And his commission was that you will be in tribulation <laughs> for me. I'm paraphrasing. But he was going to have a rough go at it. And he did. He was shipwrecked later on. He was beaten. He was left for dead. Hungry. Enslaved. He had a lot. I mean, it wasn't fun for him. But we have three quarters of the New Testament because of him. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Be family. Continue to build joy. Cindy and I love you. We really do. And this is probably one of the hardest days of my life. But I know he's got something for you and he's got something for us. And my, my prayer, my hope is that you will grow and God will finish up his peeling of my onion so I can be whole again. We're going to have a time of prayer.